Welcome to the Philosophy Podcast, where host and lacrosse expert Jamie Monroe will do what he does best, talk about lacrosse. Each episode will provide listeners with education, insights, stories, and lessons about the lacrosse world. We will discuss current events, coaching, philosophies, and college lacrosse recruiting. Now let's get started with your host, Jamie Monroe. The Philosophy Podcast is brought to you by Oxia Time, a cool watch company focused on university-branded watches. John Canaris is the founder of Oxia Time, and he was the goalie at Penn in the late 80s who led his team to the Final Four. John is actually best known for being the goalie that Gary Gate dunked on in the Air Gate. Oxia Time makes beautiful, Swiss-made, authentic watches whose design and quality match the essence of the universities they represent. I can attest to the quality of these watches. John hooked me up with a sweet Brown University Oxia watch, and I think it's the nicest thing I own. Initially licensed with eight Ivy League schools, Oxia keeps adding new schools each month. One of the coolest things Oxia offers is custom timepieces to commemorate championships or to celebrate storied teams. Check out the UVA Lacrosse Championship watch. It's sick. Princeton did a really nice one last year as well. Oxia even did an LSU football championship watch this year. For any teams interested in creating a custom watch this season, Oxia will upgrade it at no extra cost to a championship watch if your team wins a conference or national championship next year. For players, parents, and coaches interested in custom team watches, check them out at oxiatime.com. That's A-X-I-A time.com. How's it going, everybody? Really excited to welcome back Army head coach Joe Alvarisi to the Philosophy podcast. So fired up to talk lacrosse with you, Joe. How you doing, man? Doing great, Jamie. I really appreciate you having me on, and uh, it's always a pleasure uh, to speak with you and, and uh, always find out a little something. Uh, helps make me better, so um, I'm excited to be with you. Appreciate it, man. And it's kind of funny because yesterday we had planned on doing this, and an hour and 45 minutes into the conversation, we were like, okay, we really need to reschedule our podcast. We just had a great lacrosse conversation. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. And uh, I appreciate the things you passed along to me and, and, and shared them uh, with uh, Justin Ward and, and uh, just some great unique ways to look at things and, and uh, to break down some problems uh, or foreseen problems uh, that you might have. Uh, obstacles maybe is a better way of putting it. And um, loved it. Loved it. So I'm looking forward to an, another hour here. Yeah, for sure. One of the things we were talking about yesterday was this pretty cool one-on-one drill that I call area one-on-ones. It's, it's my little backyard curriculum stuff. Um, and um, I just wanted to see if you, if you had had any more thoughts about why you like this and how it related to some of the Steve Nash videos and stuff that I sent you. Yeah, I, I, uh, I did. I loved it. Um, the first thing that jumped off the page with that one-on-one area is repetitions and, and, um, you know, these teams, college teams just getting bigger, you know, how do you practice subtleties? Um, how do you give guys opportunities to work in redodging situations? Uh, they're, 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 they're sparse. There's few and far between in no matter what you do in your practice and, and just kind of looking at that, um, and giving guys the opportunity to uh, do a volume, uh, to kind of see what fits for them, what, what they do best, what they possibly could do. Um, you know, I thought that that area one-on-one really gives the guys that opportunity uh, to, to rep it out. Um, you know, the idea, the concept of, of just kind of getting back to the line as opposed to, to the goal um, is, is one that is uh, – reminiscent of of what we talk about with our attack and owning the cone you know so we kind of just put a spot out there as opposed to getting to the goal you know it it just gives you a little bit narrower focus uh and and um you know smaller target to hit get back to that line uh as opposed to get to the goal which can mean anything and you know depending upon the type of shooter you are um certainly means uh, the, the further out that you can shoot or the more range you have getting to the goal might mean 12 yards. Um, you know, for, for others, it might mean eight. So yeah. I, I thought that was exceptional and something that's going to be part of our, uh, our, uh, our, our player development program. 
I really want to hear your opinion on on the Steve Nash uh, pick and roll setups. Wasn't that so cool the way that that was broken down with all the footwork and the subtleties of how he sets up his pick and roll? In, incredible. You know, um, Steve Nash was, you know, kind of at his height. I, 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 I always followed NBA basketball. I probably do much more of it now uh, than I was at the time, but I had an appreciation for his skill. But you just look at a guy that's maybe a little bit on the undersized, um, doesn't seem to be all that much quicker than everybody else. Um, but what a skilled, skilled player. Um, and it was great to watch this video just to see how intentional he was in setting some of these things up. It, it wasn't just happening. It wasn't, he wasn't just coming off of a pick uh, every time. Um, you know, the, the way he set it up, the way he refused picks, um, you know, that the, the avenues that that created in his passing game and, and then his ability to get to the goal was, was something that um, I believe is really transferable to, to uh, our, our players here at Army. Totally. What did you think of um, the hip swivel concept? <laughs> um, I liked it. I liked it. Um, I actually tried to do that in my kitchen a little bit, Jamie. <laughs> my hip swivel days are over. That's what I. That's what I. Uh, that's what I. 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 I, I uh, thought, but it, it would be something for a younger, uh, a younger player, more athletic guy. Clearly, um, that could be uh, something that uh, we can incorporate. It's so interesting because I. I kind of uh, discovered that concept. 15 or 20 years ago, like working on a lot of what I would call three-step dodging. And it was just a, this uh, dodging technique that I had pioneered with guys like Mike Law. Remember Mike Law? He was great oh, yeah. at that, right? In fact, he, he three-steps stepped his way right from obscurity onto the USA team in like 2001. Um, and um, anyways, what I realized was when you were hitching, you could have your hips facing your defender when you're hitching meaning hesitating you could be facing your defender with your hips or your hips could be closed and what i realized is when you mixed up whether you were open and closed it created this natural hesitation and we see mikey sowers do that when he says like show hips it's very similar but when you when you kind of look at this basketball players do it all the time and it just creates i can't ex ex exactly explain why but it creates almost this natural hesitation through the natural elasticity of your body when you swivel your hips around all of a sudden it just gives you like all this loaded sort of uh elasticity yeah it i, I correct me if, if uh, you had a different intent with this but i i, I kind of looked at it or thought of it a little bit of a rocker step how you would use your upper body in a rocker step just down to your hips, yeah. you know, and it, it was the focus was on your, on your, on your lower half. And I would, I would just present to you that maybe the effectiveness comes where your best defenders are told to watch the hips, you know, to watch your belly button. So it could have greater influence, you know, as it would to watch shoulders or chest, you know, if, if you've got a guy who's got, you know, he's on your belly button um, and now all of a sudden hips are, are moving in one direction you're, you're thinking yourself, all right, here I go. So maybe yeah. it's, it's the eyes of the defender that makes us so effective. Yeah. So interesting. Really cool stuff. Joe, the one thing I love talking lacrosse with you and life with you is because you're just a student of everything. Yesterday you rattled off your 15 favorite podcasts and, and you're just learning all the time. You're just like a learning machine. And I would love to hear you share with everybody what you've been doing in this quarantine time to try to better yourself? Well, I think the first, the first place uh, that uh, when we sat down the day after all of this was, I sat down with my staff and, 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 I, and I've got an amazing staff and Kyle George Ellis, Justin Ward, Rick Lewis, you know, the four of us, you know, I, I looked at it and I said, Hey, you know, there's going to be some opportunities here. One for, for you as individuals to get better, you know, let's, let's not sit back and, and say, well, if I had this time again, because we'll never have this time again. Well, let's hope we never have this time again. Yeah. Um, you're going to have this time. How, how, how do you get better um, in, it, in, in these areas, in your relationships, um, you know, with your family, uh, your wife, your girlfriend, um, 
you know, your children? How do you get better there with your parents? Um, how do you get better with your relationships with your uh, uh, professionally? You know, so um, looking mostly our focus has been just to our players and, and what a great resource to get better uh, than, you know, engaging in 25, 30 minute conversations with with uh, West Point cadets, I mean, you know, like you want, you want it, you, that's number one, number one way uh, for me. Um, and then, you know, really just, just uh, uh, how do you get better professionally? How do you want to do that? So um, I'm, I'm, those guys, my guys didn't need me to, to prompt them that way. That's just kind of who they are and, 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 and who they've become. So, you know, for us, you know, we, we've just really made an investment in our players um, because they needed it and um, and uh, whether they recognize that or not, but those, those conversations, I, I really, I went to, when I looked at this, this um, uh, whole quarantine situation early on, there was a, um, a movie that my family and I watched. We watched Invictus and uh, in, in the, Invictus movie it's it's Nelson Mandela um, you know goes who it's about a rugby team but Nelson Mandela's backstory is is the fact that he was in prison for over 25 years I think it's closer to 30 years he's in prison he's on this island um, you know he's a dissident um, and he rises when he's released he becomes the president so I, I did just you know really elementary study of that. I mean, I knew who he was and what his story was, but one of the things that came out of it was uh, he went back to that island that he was, he was a prisoner, it was a work camp and a prisoner. And, and the gentleman that he was with asked him, you know, hey, Nelson, how did you, how did you survive this, Mr. President? How did you survive this? And, and he said that, uh, he goes, I wasn't surviving he goes, I was preparing. And I really tried to get that message to our, our guys. I mean, quarantine here, this isn't, I don't want to equate that this is Nelson Mandela's 27 years, on, you know, in a work, work camp. But I love that idea for us as a team to take on that this isn't, you know, this isn't about surviving this. This is, this is about preparing. And um, if you're going to ask that from your, uh, from your team, um, then you certainly should be doing that um, as uh, individual coaches and as a staff. So, you know, to that point, um, we've just tried to take it on. Uh, I was mentioning earlier to you, um, uh, Coach Coach Donowski has a, a Thursday night art of coaching. Um, I haven't missed one of those. It's uh, he and Greg Dale is a sports psychologist. They've been terrific. Um, the, the John O'Grady uh, does. Uh, uh, Saturday, he's a, a colonel in the army and, and coaching through crisis. Um, he's been terrific, had terrific guests. I, I, I live on these podcasts. There isn't much of a moment that I have without that on reading books. Um, I went into basketball, did a, did a thing. It's called uh, very similar to what we did in lacrosse coaching through cancellation where a lot of videos were on and, and they did a summit. It's called the hoop summit and uh, our basketball assistant got us onto that. And, and, you know, I've probably watched a dozen of those, just some, some are technical, a lot more to do with culture and culture building and things of that uh, nature. So, you know, those are just some, some of the ways uh, uh, to do it, but I would say probably going back to our guys, having, we're having our year end meetings now with our players and, you know, asking the questions of, you know, how do we get better probably is the greatest resource of, uh, for, for me to, to, to improve. Yeah. So cool. There's a quote from um, that John Wooden book I was showing you yesterday that says something along the lines of it's what you learn after you know it all that counts. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes. How does that, how does that um, inspire you? You know, I, that is, I often uh, uh, reference that quote. It is one of my favorites. Um, I'm far from knowing it all. I know that. I think probably, um, uh, Jamie, one of the things is I've grown in this position. Um, you know, there, there's there's uh, two two types of coaches, you know. Um, there's, there's coaches that are uh, humble, and then there's coaches about to be humbled. I mean, that's just the way this place, this thing is, you know. I mean, it just, you know, it's, it's, 
even when you're on top, it doesn't always seem to last for that long. And um, uh, I think the longer I've been in it, the more I realize I, what I don't know. And, right. and uh, that's made me, that's made me uh, hungrier. I, I would tell you now I'm hungrier now for that than, than at any other point in my career uh, to try and find different newer ways and, and better ways to do, you know, what I think we're, we're doing pretty well here, but you know, there's always ways to, to, to do it better. So um, if you see me at a coach's clinic, I'm, I'm a front row guy and all of that. And, and I, uh, um, you know, feel like I have the requisite humility to, to just keep my ears open and know, know um, there's, there's other ways of doing it. It may not be, yeah. you know, our way, um, but is there a way of taking just a, just a flake of, of what somebody else is doing it and implement it into ours to, to make what we're doing better? Right. And one of the things that that quote means to me, because everything you said, I agree with also, but there's another piece to it, which is, the more you study something, the more something you already knew resonates with you. Yeah, that's good. That's true. That's true. That's, that is, uh, um, that, you know, I had not thought of that, Jamie, um, but I would agree with it a hundred percent. You know, I'd agree with a hundred percent. I mean, you gotta, you gotta be careful that you're not seeking out everything that just right. validates what you thought before, uh, for sure. But, um, there are clearly cases where you go, Oh yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I, that's what we've done. I just didn't articulate it quite that way. But this is a better yeah. way to articulate it. Or it's like, I already knew that. Why Why haven't I been doing this? I knew this. Yeah. I, you know, one of the things that, that um, I wish I was even doing better now um, is, is uh, I, part of the learning process or the biggest piece of the learning process really is the reflection on it. And, and a lot of times in this um, position, coaching position, but, you know, in life in general, it just keeps coming at you and you keep taking down the next thing, you know, and, yeah. and, then, and then you're on once you once that is you feel good about it, then you're moving on to the next thing. Um, you know, one of the things I know I can do better, um, I need to do better is just reflect, you know, and, and, and what are the learning points from that, um, you know, uh, instead of moving on to the next book, go back to the book you just read and, and go through your notes on that. And I, and I, I'm not, I, I'm not good at that yet, or I'm not good as, as I need to get uh, at that by, by far. So uh, I've got a long ways to go, but that's one of those things I've been thinking about with, with a little bit more time on your hands is, is just uh, spend a little time, you know, reflecting, going back through those, those files, you know, um, going back to some of the relationships you had before and, 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 you know, talking through some of those things that you feel like you already know, but it's just going to get twisted in a little different way and come to the forefront of your mind. And, and, and now you're in a great position to share that with uh, the people you lead. Do you keep a journal? I don't, I don't. Um, outside of my workout journal, uh, that little piece there, but it's, it's, uh, I don't, and I don't know that what, what's a little frustrating for me uh, personally is just, I'm not sure I've listened to a podcast of a successful person that doesn't like, it's like, okay, Joe, like how many times do you got to hear this, you know, and there's so many ways they do it. And, and, so many different coaches podcasts to 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 writers to to totally. thought leaders to business leaders and you know people who are every bit as busy and then some from from what i yeah. am and and they find a way to jot something down on the on the uh on uh, and there's a million ways to do it you know there's a million ways to do it it's not like you've got to go dear diary you know and and write a page out uh you know it's it's a little bit sometimes the best are doing a little bit in the morning it feels like and then and then a little bit of reflection at night and uh, I haven't gotten there have you no but you know what I think I'm just gonna do it this is gonna be my inspiration I'm gonna get a journal today <laughs> yeah right now you know you're, what? You, you're pretty disciplined when it comes down to stuff I believe today is 2891 that's right but right? but like let's let's be Let's be each other's truth tellers in that one, okay? Because I'll make that commitment to the journal, and uh, and then we can we can check in on each other here. 
Well, that's why I brought it up was because it just popped into my head because I, I've been thinking the same thing. Why am I not, why am I not keeping a journal? We, we all know that it's like one of the most incredible things you can do and it will help you remember all these great thoughts. You can go back and look at it. And plus it'd be so fun to look back on your journal in years to come. So, um, all right, I'm in, if you're in, I'm in, I'm in. Nice. Um, okay. So I, I was asking you sort of big picture, how you're trying to get better. I would love to hear specifically, what are some of the things that you've learned towards anything, whether it be leadership or relationships or drills or skills or X's and O's, anything? Well, uh, I, I guess I'll start with, um, I'll start with the, 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 um, the latest thing that's the closest uh, uh, thing I learned last night, you know, the two man game. So we were talking about, I was talking about the two man game and, and uh, you know, the uh, concept of inviting somebody over the pick um, where I would be guilty of thinking, you know, Hey, at that time, that might not have been as successful of a pick as, as you would want it because you didn't get the, you didn't get the uh, change of matchup. You didn't, um, you know, you didn't force them under where you would get more space. I never gave that um, a lot of thought to how inviting somebody over um, really puts the offensive player in an advantageous situation um, to get to the goal, you know. And uh, uh, so there's one right out of the gate um, uh, that, that just was from, from last night. That's pretty sweet. The, <laughs> um, the hang-up two-man uh, of the switch piece – where you essentially, you know, especially off of repicks, but if you can get them, if you can basically engage both defenders with the ball carrier, um, I feel like is something we don't, we see a lot in box across. We don't see it as much in fields, but here's my statement that I'm curious about your opinion on. I think that if this is going to be an opportunity for longs picking for shorts that we haven't seen as much in division one men's across that I think you're going to see now, a lot more because I think there's an amazing opportunity in being able to control your own defender when, when there's a shorty on the ball and to be able to engage that switch and then be able to wreak havoc and feed the other side of the field at the same time. Yeah. One, one of the things that I, I really picked up from the film, um, Jamie, was, was um, kind of just flipped it over a one, 180 from a defensive perspective. You're always, you know, we're always telling our, talking to our guys about dictating to the offensive player um you know you really just kind of flipped it over in my own head like how the offensive player dictates to the defensive player just with some subtleties and of of you know kind of being in that dual threat position um that uh again I would say yeah if somebody asked me, Oh yeah, like that, that can happen, but it just, it again, brought it to the forefront, um, uh, uh, for me. And I see that, that with some, the key ingredient really being a patience, you know, yeah. a patience on the Dodgers, uh, set, uh, or excuse me on the Dodgers, uh, behalf, like to, to be able to let the pick, let the situation dictate to him what he should do, you know, as opposed to just flying off of a pick. Um, and then, you know, let's see what happens now type of thing, uh, coming off being a little bit more strategic, I guess, uh, with, with that. Um, and, you know, the ability to bring two to them and, and, uh, you know, create an opportunity potentially for themselves, but also an opportunity to, to move it, uh, to the, the you know when you bring two you've got the picker or, or whomever to the to the extra uh guy and now all of a sudden you've set them in rotations which sets off you know all types of dodging and and scoring opportunities on the backside for sure for people that oh, want to see this video go to twomangame.com you can actually uh see this whole webinar if you want to hey joe how sweet was the uh the street games <laughs> that that i i um I need to show my daughter that because I'm watching, I'm watching, um, the, uh, the girls that I, I know, um, two of them are yours, but there's a few others playing in there. And I was really so impressed, so impressed with the skills, the IQ, um, you know, it, it is, it's not 
something you see a lot of because the contact pick up lacrosse, but you know, basketball, that's what it is in basketball. That's how these, how, how players get really good in basketball is playing these games and just, um, the, 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 the two-on-two, that, that concept, the small-sided stuff is something that in the last, uh, I would say, eight, ten years, we really emphasized a lot in our own program. Um, but to be doing it on their own, you know, when, when we say work in, in lacrosse, it usually get out a set of cones and, and, you know, go through these set of movements. So it's, it is really impressive. And I, I, I kept thinking about what these kids, when they go back to their – high school or college programs, you know, what they're going to be bringing to the table is, is, uh, is, uh, is going to be something that's well ahead of their peers. For sure. I call it free play poise. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. You just kind of know how to play. Yeah, um, okay. So what about um, on the defensive side of the ball, what have you learned in the last few weeks or months? You know, um, it, it, it was more, um, and actually, I kind of come back to you, just straight defensive stuff that we were talking. I was going back. I'm looking back through some of my notes right now as we talk. But you had a uh, a podcast on with um, Jerry Byrne, Jerry yeah. Byrne, and and you know, I was I was really um, so impressed with that and watching the details. Uh, if I remember, he may have gotten through two plays. In, in the whole time in there, you know, um, and just just the details, you know, and, and I took a bunch of notes on that to, to like, hey, these are great little teaching points, particularly for the off ball guys, you know, and, and you know, their positioning. And, and, you know, I would say that more of our uh, communications is, you know, ball moves, you move, you know, and, and, and um, the, the subtleties that he was breaking down um, really was, was something I thought, you know, kind of, I, I got, I got my notes here and, and uh, you know, these are things that could, could easily be added into our, our communication. So um, I, I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed that part of it, um, you know, with him and, and uh, you know, I've had uh, some good discussions uh, with Dave Petromala, had a, talked to him a couple of times, uh, one coming right out of quarantine. It was, that was a little bit more about, program stuff but um you know he's he's uh you know he's always amazing to to talk to and somebody i always uh, learn something from i'm doing a podcast on friday with eddie glazner oh nice former notre dame defenseman current pll redwoods defenseman joe he's a guy you should talk to he is literally one of the smartest people and the beauty of it is whereas jerry might not tell you everything eddie will well, get him to tell on the podcast, and then we'll uh, yeah, we'll, we'll do uh, it. We'll go from there. I've got a lot of respect for his game, and he was uh, he was clearly a a, a guy that, uh, uh, in in just from the outside looking in, was was kind of the engine uh, uh, to to that to that car of of Notre Dame's defense. You know, um, he, he kind of from the inside out really made made some things happen for him. I think one of the best ways to learn is actually just to watch what your players do, you know, yeah. how often they'll do something different than what you ask them to do. And then you look at it and you're like, wow, that was actually really good. Can you speak or think of any examples of what you've learned from just watching the film of your players playing? Yeah. Well, um, I would, there, there's, there's, I'll give you one thought that I had and then I'll, I'll get, I'll get to that. But uh, there was a, a guy, Greg Williams, he's a D coordinator for the Jets and uh, John O'Grady had him on his podcast and he was listening. And the last thing he said is he said uh, his goal, and he's been a D coordinator, head coach in the NFL 41 years. And he says, my goal every day is to make sure I, I, uh, I do not walk off the, the, the field without having learned something, the practice field. And it, and it was like, you know, pretty cool, you know, pretty cool that yeah. there's just something about your people, about your scheme, um, you know, uh, th those, those sort of things, um, you know, I, I, on the offensive end, um, one of the, one of the guys I, I, I immediately go to uh, back a while was, was Jeremy Boltus, you know, Jeremy had some good athleticism, um, but the way he, uh, had such great patience, uh, to watch the two man game that we did a lot of big little back in the day, 
uh, with him and his ability to be patient and come off of a pick, uh, work to get the right matchup, um, the opportunities when he did get somebody on his back to go to the goal. They feared him as a passer as they should um, is in, in is, uh, is tremendous. And, you know, kind of fast forward to this day, we've got a young man by the name of Brendan Nick turn who, who really just uh, you find yourself um, going back um, uh, to the film and go, Ooh, I missed that on the field. Like how he set that something up with his eyes, you know, the little, the, the, the little subtleties, um, that, you know, he threw with a, with a head and shoulders or, you know, a, a, a foot, um, the, the way he leveraged his, his, uh, forearm, you know, to kind of get up underneath the defender, you know, um, and, and get his shot off. Uh, some of those things, I it just kind of get past you in a practice, but those, those are things, you know, he's a, he's a guy that you, uh, uh, for us uh, now that really, um, you know, kind of show some things to the, to the coaching staff that you go, that that's, that's next level thinking. Yeah. What year was Boltus? Jeremy uh, graduated in 2011. So I was going to say, it's 10 years ago, I was up in the booth with Coach Emmer watching you guys uh, knock off Syracuse in the Dome. And uh, I was thinking he was on that team. Yeah, he was. He actually had the game-winning assist, um, kind of got up to like, I wouldn't call it the five and five, probably the uh, eight and eight. He was up high and he just rolled back and never, never um, really uh, beat anybody uh, on the situation, but rolled back to his left hand. And again, that patience that he had, that, that IQ, um, just waited for a defender to just drift a little bit to him and he fed inside kind of cross body into, into, uh, Devin Lynch, uh, who is a, who is, Jeremy was a, a Baldensville guy. Uh, and Devin is a, is a skinny Atlas guy. So, um, they were in their home turf there and, uh, to see him finish that in double OT, but a lot of like, there were so many little plays in that one. Yeah. Um, I had tweeted something out just recently about it because it was a 10 years. It was the weekend that had come up and, and uh, I was just thinking of all the plays that led up to it. You know, Billy Henderson, um, the kids coming down on a lefty alley sh- uh, shot and Billy's a, a, a all American defender for us was a, was a, a three time all American defender uh, for us. He just, just the steps that he took as that shot was being taken uh, to get what we call a cliffy, he just beat the ball out on the end line. That's how we got the ball, you know, in the end of the double overtime, uh, Larry LaRusso, just the way that he kind of, he, uh, they came down in the, in the first overtime in a, in a two on one situation uh, with two attackmen, open field, nobody else is in, inside the restraining box. And just the way he, he kept his pistols, you know, he kept a, a shoulder to, to uh, the ball, a shoulder to, um, you know, the, the, the second offensive player and just gave a little head fake, a little hedge, and it just created just enough, you know, it was just enough. I mean, you're in a bad situation and, and, and uh, you know, just a, a, a little, little bit of hedge and, 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 and then and he bluffed back. And when they made the pass, it just, they just didn't connect on the pass. And, you know, I'm sure Syracuse would look at it and say, man, the kid's got to catch it. But I think that, you know, what Larry did in that situation was, um, was uh, you know, help, help that situation along, you know, help create that indecision um, in, 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 uh, in a, what looked like a pretty clear cut situation. So, you know, and Larry was one of those guys, you never, you never thought he heard a thing, you know, when you talk, when you coached him. So <laughs> it was good that he demonstrated in a, in a critical moment that he was actually listening at some point, but slow playing that two on one was so huge. And that's, it kind of takes me back like it always does back to the free play model though, because that's where you kind of learn that stuff is when you're playing in the backyard and it's a two on two on one situation and you just sort of fake it and hedge it. And yeah, it's brilliant. We do a thing the last two years and we have not missed a, pr- a day of practice with this. This mm-hmm. isn't exactly what you're talking about, but um, we go, it's three on two tight. Okay. And so we're tight to the goal. Nobody's outside of 10 yards and we play with tennis balls and we put four or five minutes on the clock, it depends, and we'll go on three different cages, and everybody, ball gets rolled out to the perimeter. There's supposed to be a little bit of 
um, not to make it a real clean ground ball, but nobody's hacking anybody's arm. And then they start playing. So I really think that it's a huge, it's been a great developer uh, with the tennis balls, number one for our hands, Um, you know, just getting a little slicker. I love our shooting and shooting with a goalie in there. Yep. Is terrific, you know, just the number of reps that they get. We do it on three cages, as I said. So, I mean, they're, you know, it's, it's, they might be sitting three times and then they're back in it. I mean, and, and the ball's rolling out quick, quick, quick. Um, and, you know, I won't bore you with how we rotate, but all of the defenders play offense as much as the, as they play defense. So, you know, all the little things of getting your stick on a ball, nuggets, um, we're, we're, we're trying to, you know, you, are, is implemented during that time. Um, all of the handles in tight, you know, everything's happening seven, eight yards. So, you know, you, it, it puts a premium on making good passes. And, and, and you know, we're, we're always saying here, hey, the better passing team is always the better shooting team. You know, it's like in basketball, if the point guard can put it on, he's got a righty shooting, shooting guard, you can't throw the ball at his ankles, you know, and expect him to shoot at a high percentage, put it on his shooting hands and, and that shooting percentage is going to go up. So, you know, we're able to emphasize the, the, the um, passing and we're able to emphasize the uh, communication aspect of it, yeah. you know, like what's a shot, what's one more, you know, do you want to shallow through, 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 you know, we're yelling, you know, yelling it in attackmen, middies, defensemen, they're all doing it. And it's the highlight of their time. Your tennis balls, so your goalies don't mind, you know, they're, they're going to make, they're going to work on their game and trying to take away big angles or, you know, big shots and, and, and uh, it's, it's fun. And we just, we've turned it into a competition. So, uh, you know, whoever scored the most goals, you know, the other group sometimes might have to get on the sideline. Some, sometimes they may have to, you know, drop and do 10 push ups that type of thing. Um, you know, so uh, guys are, guys are, are moving along and then, you know, they're always prodding the three coaches to keep feeding balls. So it's, it's like a machine gun with a number of balls that are coming out there, but it is that little free play model that you're talking it about. Right there. And, totally. and, uh, and it, I, I think on so many levels, it's been great for our program from a stick skill standpoint, certainly energy to practice um, to just the, 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 the subtleties of an offense that makes an offense go, you know, there's just little things that keep getting repped and, and, and uh, you know, the number of touches is, is terrific, you know, tremendous. So true. I mean, in that three on two, is there anything more important than the ball carrier watching and manipulating the defender who's splitting two? Right. Right. Eye manipulation, uh, eye manipulation, hand manipulation, you know, like, you know, getting in, and and it's, and it's like, uh, I, I think a lot of the times what we do, um, in our program, isn't always the most efficient, you know, it might not be the most efficient to have defensemen doing that. Um, why not just put them on the defensive end? That's what they do most of the time. But I keep coming back to, you know, efficiency versus effective and they're not the same thing. And for us, you know, the most eff- that's the most effective because that's how we putting our defenders in offensive type stick work drills and the number, it's just a sheer repetition develops our defensive skills and, oh, wow. and it has, has turned us into a good clearing team. And, you know, those little like little wrist fakes and all that, you know, they don't mean anything, but one time a year when he's rushing the midline and he's carrying the ball up the midline and there's the six, four attackman who's got waving a stick and he's just got to give that little bit and then pass it around him, and, and the ball yep. doesn't squirt out of bounds. It goes to the midi, you know, so, uh, it, and, and who's, to, who's to say that he would have been able to do that had he not, you know, had the, what, what amounts to roughly, you know, 20 to 25 minutes a, a week of that tennis ball three on two tight. Right. And, you know, and uh, tell me what you think about this statement. A more skilled defenseman is a better defenseman. No question. The, 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 the defensively, the greatest, and this is so simple, it's, you know, people will be laughing on the other end of it, but, you know, the greatest defense is the one that doesn't have to play it. It's as simple as that. You know, the greatest defense is a defense that doesn't have to play defense. You know, you can't score if you have the ball. So, so uh, that's pretty basic stuff, but you know, that, that puts, you know, I mean, so that manifests itself in, in uh, 
facing off, of course, but it, we're, where we're talking specifically to defensemen, if you're a first time ground ball guy, you know, and you're picking that up and, and you're winning more of those 50, 50 ground balls and you're able to get it up and not just get it up, get it out. Right. You're a better defensive team. That's one less possession that you've got to, you, you've got to, you've got to play. So, I mean, it's so simple, but it, it is, um, you know, that, that the very best defenses are the ones that have to play at the least and, and um, you know, ground, uh, your defensive stick skills and, you know, uh, are as important, you know, as almost anything else you do. I mean, you no know, question. And, and that's, that's why we, we spend so much time with our guys in, in those stick work type of things. And, 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 and you have to manage it a little bit. There's certainly time for overs and, you know, that, that st- sort of stuff. But when you're doing that, Jamie, that, that's not a lot of touches. It's a, it's a functional skill they have to have to throw the ball across the field. But yeah. you know, it's, it's not happening as much um, where at Army, what we try to do is – or what not what we try to do, what we do every day – when you know there's that little lag period when everybody's getting out onto the field, maybe it's coming from the training room. Our defenders are on each sideline, so they're not allowed to play catch. They're they're you know like from ten yards apart. They oh, yeah. just throw they just throw overs. So that might be five, that might be ten minutes. They get more overs during that time than they sure. will the rest of the practice. And you know so just hidden reps there. But now so now we can you know work with them in in some other other skills. Um, you know, some other skills throughout practice, you know, that, that, that give them more reps, but in the end, they've touched the ball a lot, a lot by the end of practice. You know, you talk about first time ground balls. And one of the things that I want to touch on is it's not just picking the ball up. It's being able to, like you said, get it out. And that means get out of traffic, get out of trouble, be able to make a flip pass to the open person just before you get checked or be able to fake that flip pass to buy yourself a little bit of time to throw it high and away. These are what the most skilled players do. And it's kind of, I just wanted to give that visual to people as they're thinking about it. I think as a coach, um, you know, you you just got to find that balance um, within your team and within the practice. I mean, it's because, the it's like hey let's rep the hell out of that but that that that's a lot of collision that's a lot of slashing you know that's 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 uh and and there's there's parts of practice that got to be you know that physical piece um so just trying to find you know the right right set of things where you're competing and you're putting them them in those tight situations and then um you know working on the basics of you know ground ball play where, where there's a little less contact, you know, so kind of mixing and matching your practices where you get a little of both. No doubt. And that brings me back to why I love the Sandlot (laughs) because you can get a million, you would be ground ball scraps in a three by game are epic, Yeah, but they're not physical the same way. So you, you get the same ability to get a tough ground ball, get out of traffic, spin out of it and make a pass. Right. Um, Right. Over and over. One of the things that was when I was saying a, a more skilled defenseman is a better defenseman, I also believe that's true actually on defense. I mean, if the, the, the better skills you have, the more likely you are to get a nugget. The more the better you are at leveraging with your stick to slow a guy down, uh, the better you are. You know, maybe a coach doesn't want checkers, but you want to be able to apply ball pressure with precision. And that you take your average really skilled attackman and give them a pole, they can do that pretty much right away because of the skill level. Yeah. The, the, one of, one of the best ones to do it, um, at my time here, uh, uh, Don Surtick, um, you know, was first draft. He was, he was a Schmeiser award winner. And, and then he, he was the, um, first draft pick in the PLL first defensive kid pet picked in the PLL. And, you know, Johnny was a, a midi up until I think ninth grade. Uh, uh, and then when he went to DeMatha and he just had that skill and, uh, you know, there was, there were some times, there was one specific time in practice. It was like maybe even a fall practice and he just had this pickup and escape that we just kept rolling the film, you know, and everything. And I said, Hey, uh, I think it was Justin was running the film. Hey, run that back. And I just, we just ran it back. And I said, fellas, 
we may not see this again. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's a senior. We may not see this again, period, after he leaves. I mean, we, it had become so commonplace. Yes, God, goodness gracious, you know, the ability to throw a 30, 40-yard pass on the run to somebody on the run, you know, and, and uh, was just so so gifted with his skills. And we like to think that we, we helped that along sure. when we was here. But I think it, it was, you know, the fact that he was a midi and, and – um, you know, he, he came to us with, with a, a good skill set to begin with. Right. It's kind of like the Canadians that don't pick up a pole until, you know, they're 15 or 16, 17 years old. Um, you get that skill set. You know, you need to be a great defenseman. You have to have the toughness and the mentality. And there's just an incredible amount of processing and IQ that goes along with it, too. Um, but that skill piece is a nice platform to have. And I feel like so many youth kids grow up basically relegated to just playing defense while the offense learns their looks. Yeah. You know, and it, and it comes down, I mean, they're, yeah, it's a mix. Cause you got to know all those things, everything that you talk about, you know, I mean, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll say it around here, everything, Hey, we want to have a great transition game, but you know, you know, the first thing to a transition game is making sure the ball's not in the back of the net. You, know, you can't have a transition game if the ball's in the back of the net all the time. So, so you gotta, you have to build out from there. The defenders got to defend, um, you know, but the, 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 again, go back to the defending less possession. So, so ample time being spent on that stick work and that stick work that just gives them the multitude of touches is, is what we found here to, to um, be most effective. Awesome. Um, Turning the page to recruiting, um, obviously it's a dead period right now, but how do you see the recruiting landscape change for Army um, in this? Is it just pretty much the timing is going to be different? Yeah, that's what I, I, I think it's, it's the timing is, is going to be a little different. And anytime I, I get a little anxiety about it, I think about um, – my time down at Duke and, and uh, going to watch Matt Donowski play his senior year, um, watch him play uh, Casey Carroll uh, at Baldwin and uh, for the, for the County championship in football. And he hadn't, he wasn't committed. <laughs> you know, this is his senior year. He was the number one player in the country. We're not talking about, you know, 1960. This is, you know, this wasn't that long ago, you know, yeah. 03, 04, that's 10, 15 years ago, the best player in the country. You know, we're still trying to, you know, show him love uh, and, and getting up to a football game. And, and he was not a committed player. So, you know, anytime I, there's a, this anxiety about like, man, this is going to be a little late. Like, it's been done before, you know, we're, this isn't, this isn't new ground. It's just, it's, it's a uh, new old ground, I guess is the best way of putting it. So, you know, the timing piece um, definitely will be set back a little bit. We had done, uh, you know, ample work in, in the 21 class already, but uh, you know, there's still some more work to do to, to be done in that. And I think, as you may know, Jamie, I mean, all of our guys are seniors graduate, um, they're going on to, to, um, to do bigger things, you know, to serve our country. And, and, um, you know, that's a non-negotiable here. That's not, uh, uh, that's not much of a, a conversation starter when you say, Hey, we'd really like to get them another year of playing, you know, when you, when you have a, a little bit bigger mission. Um, so, uh, that is, um, you know, our seniors are graduating. We had an amazing, um, group, that um, I would have loved. Uh, that was off to a, a terrific start, and I would have loved to seen how they finished because um, I just felt really good about where who we were and what we were about, and and really felt good about where we were going too. But so so you know we move forward with that, um, and uh, the the question in recruiting becomes for us really, you know, is there some fallout from some other schools? Does West Point become a consideration? Because now, you know, school X, Y, and Z are thinking about what they have to do with their junior or sophomore, you know, so that affects the 21s and affects the 22s, you know, what they want to do with their own juniors and their own, and their own sophomores. So for us, um, you know, we, we're in a little bit of a holding pattern. We kind of like to see how that, um, what comes out of that. 
uh, this summer, this fall, you know, are there some, are there some young men that thought they were going somewhere and, and, and now because the landscape has changed, they're not. And, um, yep. they want to reopen with West Point or, or maybe they didn't give it a look because they had committed at an early stop right away and they hadn't, they hadn't had the opportunity to see us. So, um, that's our thinking right now. I mean, it's a little bit, again, it's a holding pattern cause we don't know what that is, um, or, you know, who that is. Um, but we, you know, we also are, we're talking to some great 21s right now too. So yeah, I bet there's a lot of them. Yeah, there really are. There really are. And, and a tremendous amount of players. And, and I feel like when you look up and down our program, um, the young men, so many young men who've been successful um, at a very, very high level. Um, and we think back of, about who we might've recruited against. Um, it, it, it may not have been the highest of the highs in terms of uh, level of, level of um, people we ended up recruiting or they ended up choosing us over so-and-so. So we, we feel strongly about our development program here and, and, you know, we, we think if we, we've got guys who, who are about the right things, um, that they've got a great chance to uh, improve greatly um, and far outreach what maybe others thought were their potent, was their potential. So, um, you know, we're, 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 we're in the hunt now in the 21 class and, and um, you know, trying to, trying to get things together for the 22s as much as we possibly can in terms of film that's out there and, and, it's, it's, it's going to be a different process. You know, what that process is, I don't know exactly, but, um, you know, we just, we want to have as much info as we possibly can now to, to be ready when, when that time hits. If you could, if you could script it, how many times would you see a player play live? And then how much film would you watch on them? to really make sure this is somebody that you want, whether it be high school film or club film, highlight films. Yeah. Um. I'm John Canaris, founder of Oxia Time, a watch company specializing in university branded watches. Before I fell in love with watches, I fell in love with lacrosse. Maybe you've heard of the Air Gate? Well, that was me in goal that day. We may not have won the national championship, but we did win the Ivy League that year and two years before. The first time, we got a ring that we never wore. The second time, we got a watch that while it had great sentimental value, the quality didn't match the significance of our achievements or the memories we created. Ever since then, I've looked for a watch with the design and quality that would live up to my experiences at Penn. After 30 years of looking and not finding what I wanted, I decided to build it myself. At Axia Time, we create Swiss-made automatic watches with stylish designs and quality befitting the universities we represent premium watches without the premium price. Check us out at oxiatime.com. That's A-X-I-A time.com. I, I think if I've watched a kid two to three times and I've been able to watch some film, whether it's highlight film or, you know, if you could get into game film, I would feel pretty comfortable about that. As long as my assistants have seen it also, um, I've been doing it a long time and, and feel comfortable with what I think a, a young man who could be successful here. There's, there's a, uh, a catalog of players um, now having been here 15 years of guys that have been pretty good. And I can recollect what I thought of them in high school. And, you know, and, and now I'm drawn down on that reservoir of knowledge to, to kind of project to this kid and, and what, might be potential for him but you know I also value highly what what uh, um, Kyle George Ellis what Justin Ward have to say about him and and I think it's a collaborative piece that we're, we're doing here in recruiting so um, yeah. if, if there's if there's a couple times that I've gotten to see him and um, in the right situations you know I mean I think there's right situations as competitiveness, you know, what the competitiveness level of what you saw. So if it wasn't as competitive, Hey, let me get back and let me see him a third or a fourth or fifth time. Um, because, uh, you know, the situation, which you can't dictate wasn't, you know, just wasn't uh, optimal for, for, you know, to, 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 for him to bring out his skills or to, for him to, you know, how many times you go watch a defenseman and then, 
he he's on a good team and and they've got a great face-off guy and 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 now it's like oh you know he looked like he ran you know I saw him run the ball up the field one time that was awesome you know meanwhile you know that the team they were playing against was was uh you know running for their lives and yeah you saw him but it wasn't a quality you know you wouldn't that wasn't a quality observation that you had right and if you were to look at High school versus summer versus fall. How do you rank those opportunities to view in person? Well, it, it, it is. I think if you can get a good look on a high school guy, um, that's, that would be awesome. So what's happened a little bit with high school, which I think has now become more important, for, for a bunch of years, Jamie, it was we were recruiting so young. So – by the time that we would get out to watch a high school game, you're you typically watching a the, the playoffs, right? Yeah. So, and you're and you're trying to watch it in good areas and 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 all that. So now you start to think, well, if this is a good high school program in a playoff game, how much is that freshman or sophomore really playing? You know, like yeah, he's he's going to be good. You know, and that's a great thing. That's a great thing for a high school program to, you know, to have older guys playing and, you know, and, 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 and going, it's usually a mark of a good program typically. Right. Um, so it, the, the high school piece at that time just became less and less just because of that, you know, right. and, and then you have the opportunity to watch them in the summertime with, um, you know, the, the, the age levels were all the same. Um, so you had a good marker that way to kind of, well, he's actually a little bigger than I thought he was, you know, cause you're watching him against other 15 year olds, um, you know, as opposed to 17 year olds. So um, I think the high school piece would be my favorite. Um, yeah. If, if, if you could get that again, quality observation um, because you can, you can glean more from it in terms of the teammate um, you know, he's typically more invested in relationships um, there there's a lot more practice, which means there's more structure to what they're doing. So how, how he operates within that, um, you know, how his coach relies on him or doesn't rely on him in certain situations. So that I think that that context gives you um, an opportunity to learn a, a far greater, far greater things than simply talent. Um, then you, you go into the summer and just, the sheer volume that they play, that becomes a, a, a real positive piece for us. Um, you know, cause you just, you can go and you're watching 400 kids play and there's a whole bunch of them that could play for, for us and they're all one spot. And, you know, I, so, so we love it. The fall piece becomes, although this fall I think is going to be really important for us, that becomes a, a bit trickier and, and, and it's, it's really based on, a lot of times uh, the actual weekend that it's being played. So um, a lot of times early in November, that first week in November, you don't have the football kids, you know, you don't, you don't have elite soccer players playing because they're, they're doing something. So you're watching kids do things, although they're wearing the same club jerseys, it ain't the same guys, you know, it's not the same, same guys. So you, you almost evaluate a little bit from weekend to weekend. And, and, you know, as, as it progresses now, a little later, um, it becomes probably more of those guys are getting to play. Um, but now, you know, you could be doing that up at Long Island and it could be literally wind chill of 14 degrees, you know? So, so that becomes something that you've got to, you've got to, take into account and you've got a west coast kid who's he's got a nice tan um you know and now all of a sudden he's like 14 degrees it could be the first time he's ever experienced 14 degrees um yeah so, and 5 a.m pacific time. yeah oh it's incredible <laughs> incredible what they do it's it's really amazing um really amazing so those kind of factors you know and then really i, I bet you've never interviewed a coach that hasn't said we want multi-sport athletes has there been a guy? Everybody wants it. Everybody says it. Exactly. Exactly. So we go out and in the fall, one of the things that you could be looking at that, that makes a kid better is 
the fact that he isn't a multi-sport athlete. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because he didn't play football. So he got a chance to do individuals in his club. And, you know, the clubs are getting better and better with that in terms of just developing, you know, their their talent. It's not just tournaments. They give them opportunities to to get involved in, you know, individual work and they practice a little bit more and uh, than they maybe did seven or eight years ago. So, so you've got a kid who's invested in all of that. Of course, yeah. he's going to show better in the fall than somebody who the night before their team got eliminated um, in a in a state playoff game in football. He gets up in the morning and travels and and you know what a what a freaking competitor. You know what a guy you want in your program. Right. But that that he's putting a stick in his hand for the first time, you know? So, so it, 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 it's, it becomes the most difficult time because of all of the variables of the fall ball does. So high school to summer, the fall would probably be your choice, but listen, we, you know, we, you, you got to utilize them all, you know, you got to right. utilize them all. When you have them. Exactly. Yeah. When you have them, right. right. Maybe, um, Maybe January and February will will turn into um, the new summer of 2020, and you just uh, go down south, go down, you know, Southern California, Florida, Georgia, and um, you know, get get rid of the quiet period and turn it into an evaluation period, and then you're right back in business with your uh, 2022s. <laughs> well, I think one of the things that would have to take place, which I would be in big favor of, is is moving the lacrosse season, the college lacrosse season back, you know, um, I mean, I feel like, I feel like if we could get into June, you know, like so many of the other sports, baseball, track and field, softball, um, it would, it would really help revenue, um, from the schools, you know, a lot of schools, not every school, but a lot of schools in terms of, in terms of drawing, you know, I mean, we, yeah. we play a, we'll play a UMass, um, in in uh we play them the first weekend every year that's february so either place that's a hell of a game i mean those guys are awesome i mean what a team they are and coach canelo what a great coach and great man and and they're tough as nails and and, and it's a great game it's yeah. a great game you know and you play i mean if it's a decent enough day we might get a thousand people there if it's decent you know i mean we've had to do that in front of probably three or four hundred um you know, then you fast forward where we have game against our rival or we've had Notre Dame and, and we've had 15,000 people here in Mikey Stadium. I mean, that's that's an April game. They'll come out, you know, they come out for the big games, 15,000 people. That's and, 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 and it's it's like the ticket revenue is well over $100,000 for our school. And and it's, you know, that's lacrosse. And it, and it could be more of that at more schools but it's it's weather dictated. I mean, I think if you pushed it back a little bit, um, it could help the schools. And then, you know, um, Terry Foy, like who, who I, I absolutely love to speak with because he he's he's one of those guys like yourself where you just man, you walk away with five or six different ideas. Like, man, I've never thought of that before. Um, you know, he he went in and and presented one time to me like, hey, this is this is what TV ratings are. You know and Memorial day relative to, you know, the second week in June and he had uh, had it all broken down. So if we could do that, that would start a later start, probably a little bit of injury prevention um, because the cold weather teams are, are dealing maybe with one month less of having to do it. And um, probably financially wouldn't be much more of a burden on a program because a lot of these schools are coming back before um, they've got to come back, Jamie, before school starts. So yeah, you know, that's not free. That's not free, and and what you would be doing is trading that in for tournament teams would be there after school. You know, um, yeah, it's you know sixteen teams uh, that would maybe be there after graduation. It, it, it probably turns out for the whole anyway, um, less you know less of a, a stress financially. So yeah. we do that, and then we could we could get a January recruiting period. I think coaches would would enjoy um an excuse to get to florida yeah to do work <laughs> um joe thank you so much for coming on this podcast i i love talking lacrosse with you whether we record it or not <laughs> i feel the same jamie uh you're a great friend and and a, a great lacrosse mind and and uh i've just been uh following your career uh because 
you know, we're, we're of, about the same age, although I believe you to be older. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, from, from the days of Al Brown's camp, you know, to your, to your time at Yale, to the great things you did at Denver and then just have been, um, really, uh, not that you're doing it to impress me, but just from sitting in, in this seat and watching what you do, uh, in terms of, um, educating the lacrosse world in, in so many different ways is, is just so, so, uh, impressive to me, so impressive to me and, and something that, that, um, uh, you know, is motivating really, you know, just to, to see how you look at things and break it down and, and all is, is a great motivation to me. So I, I love these conversations and, and even in the times that we're not having them, um, uh, I'm listening, I'm listening and, and learning. So I, I appreciate you. Thanks, man. And um, I'll shoot you a text later with a picture of my journal. All right. Sounds good, Jamie. Right, Take so care. Have a good one. Take right. care. Peace All out. right. Bye-bye.